I've been having a good week. I beat my first 2Q in a live game on OGS. I it was uh it, there was a handicap on the game, but it was just the uh Comey. So it was like a one stone handicap and I think I won by quite a bit more than Comey. So in that case like sometimes I like to say that I that's just like a legit win without the Comey. But there's a slight caveat to that because you know some people may differently may play differently when they don't have as have the Comey, but I don't know. I think it's hard to play adjust your play to that small of an advantage. But yes, I'm I'm very happy. I beat my first two Q on a, in a live game on OGS, and I was trying to prolong the glow of the win, and uh, I was kind of trying not to face my next game because I wasn't sure if I was going to win my next game. And I had this mantra come up that I've been using. If I lose, I learn. That was the mantra that I've been trying to tell myself. And and just as soon as I said, if I lose, I learn, I was able to jump into my next game. And then I beat a 3Q in an even game. And it was a, quite a fun and exciting game. There was a moment in that game when... I, you know, all the tension kind of released from my body and I said, oh, that's, that's GG. And as soon as I said that to myself, they resigned. I could have played better, but it's, it was still a good game. And I'm, again, trying to play more carefully and just more um, reflectively and trying to spend more time to review all the stuff I can from each game. That's the kind of state I'm in here. And ever since I've switched over to these 20-minute games, 20-minute uh, main time games, the games, they seem, uh, they're pretty intense and contemplative. I feel like there there's a lot of uh, silent thinking that happens that's not possible in the shorter games that I used to play. And I'm beginning to get into the groove of this time format, getting a better feel and getting more comfortable with how much time is appropriate to use per move and when it's appropriate to use more time and learning how to burn more Byoyomi periods because I used to have three Byoyomi periods on Fox and they were pretty precious and I only used them in emergency situations but with five I need to be a little more liberal with when I use up Byoyomi so I've been trying to get used to the the time format and it's it's taking a while to fully get used to but i feel like it's it's getting more comfortable we'll see how how much i can um improve on it as well and yeah i've been just focusing on reviewing my games and trying to ju like get all the juice out of each each game that i play and using that new mantra if i lose i learn to jump into the next game welcome to start point the show about go for go fans away from the board and I want to talk to you about a YouTube video that I saw recently. It's by a YouTube channel, a YouTuber by the name of Benjamin Keep, who purportedly has a PhD. And a lot of his channel is focused on learning. It's not a Go channel, but it's more of a science-based learning channel. And any Go player who has played long enough is at first a student of go someone who learns how to play go 
And eventually they get to the point when they become a student of learning. Someone who just learns how to learn better. I think that's a big part of Go because we realize that it's not just enough to learn how to play, but to learn the right things, to learn the right way, and to maximize our learning efficiency. And it's very difficult. And this YouTube channel covers a lot of that topic of, of how we learn, how skills are obtained and how knowledge is obtained. And this one video that I want to talk about today, it's a video that I will li uh, link in the description. It's called A Simple Way to Learn Complex Skills. And one thing that I like about Benjamin Keep's channel is that he is clearly a student of learning because he talks about learning all the time. But not only that, in many of his videos you see in the background, he's got a couple of Go boards displayed just staring us at, at us Go players, telling us that yes, he has ventured into the amazing world of Go. And that definitely just caught my eye and made me more interested because anyone who plays Go has struggled with this concept of learning and how to learn. And I really enjoyed the things that he said. So let me let me share with you a quick summary of uh, what I've, what I've um, gleamed from this video that that he's uh, posted here uh, a simple way to learn complex skills and in this video he talks about a study where he had where they had groups of players learn how to play this arcade style game now if you look at the game it's like asteroid like asteroid is like uh, maybe like the first game to ever be invented i think it's i think it predates pong even but it's not Asteroid. It's like a, a game called Space Fortress, but it reminded me of Asteroid. And it's got multiple elements. It's not just like look and shoot, but like there's like multiple flying objects going here and there. You got to fly around. I'm not exactly sure how the game works, but it looks like it's not just like a one-dimensional game. It has many elements to it. And you can kind of see that as a lot of different skills that you need in order to succeed at this one game. And so in the study, what they did was they had four groups of people try to play this game and improve at it. And they did something slightly different with each of these groups of people. The first group was the control group, and they just had this group play the game without much instruction or anything at all, I don't think. The second group, they told them for the first, I think maybe like three games or so, first three or four games, you should pay attention to this one aspect of the game. Let's, I'm not really sure which one it was. Maybe it was like there's asteroids moving around. Like pay attention to the asteroids while you play this game. And then the next group, they did another aspect of the game. Like, oh, pay attention to how much thrust you have remaining. I'm not sure. I don't know the game, but something like that, right? And then the fourth group, they did something slightly different, which is for the first couple of games, they said, hey, let's pay attention to the asteroids and how they're moving across the screen. And then for the next two games, they advised this group, um, why don't you pay attention now to the, the fuel and like how much fuel thrust you need, blah, 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 stuff like that. And so we have four groups, first one getting no coaching, second one getting coaching on one aspect of the game. The third 
group getting coaching on another aspect of the game and the fourth group getting coaching on two different aspects of the game. And they did this and it's kind of obvious that maybe the last group will will be the best at the game. And it, that's the way the results came out where the fourth group that was given those two instructions performed the best at the game. And then the, the groups that had instruction on one aspect of the game did better than the control group who had no coaching at all. And so you can see their improvement lines are steeper when they're given more instruction and they're more shallow when, they, when they're giving less instruction. But the cool thing is, let's remember I told you that they did this for like the first four games or so. They played a total of 10 games. So after those initial games with some instruction, they continued to play more games. And what was interesting about the study is that the people who were told those two aspects to improve, not only improved during that coaching session, but after the game, after they were let alone to improve on their own, they kept on improving more than the other groups. So it really helped in this situation that these groups were given instruction early on, and that early instruction was a seed that grew more and more as time grew, time went on for these people. And so with this study, there are, you know, to, to bring it back to the game of Go, I felt like I had two takeaways from this. The first takeaway being to seek wisdom from above. Now that may be obvious, right? A lot of us, we are desperate to learn about how we can improve at this game. And we're constantly asking stronger players, like, what am I missing here? But actually, there's a lot of people who don't do that. If you play on Fox, you'll run into a lot of players with razor sharp reading ability. You know these are people who are seasoned at the game. They play good moves and they trick you and they play these like really sharp tactical moves that make you realize, wow, I could never see that. But you realize in the beginning of the game that they have never watched a single video or read a single book about Fuseki. They play these strangest moves and they play very improper opening moves that just don't make sense, but they're able to power through them because they have such a good reading ability, but they have never sought after higher level knowledge from other people. And so they're going to be stuck, right? They're only going to be as strong as their reading ability. If you're a DDK player and you're learning how to play the game, you may learn early on that it's important to focus on counting your liberties and capturing stones. But if that's the only skill you work on moving forward, you never consider points like what's the biggest territory that you can make on the board right now? What's the largest open space? Um, which groups are strong? Which groups are weak, right? If all you're doing is focusing on winning capturing races, you'll never improve those other dimensions of the game until someone tells you, hey, you know what you should try to look for? You should try to see if you can make a base. You know, make sure all your groups have bases. Make sure all your groups are are strong enough to, and then you feel like you can 
have them survive. And they're like, wait a second, what do you mean? I was just trying to capture as many stones as you can. There's more dimensions of the game that we may not be able to see without anyone telling us. And so in this way, more experienced players can impart very important knowledge on certain aspects of the game. And it can help us expand what we're trying to learn here. The second takeaway that I wanted to mention uh, about this video is that we should not focus on just one thing, right? So this is the, the part of the study where they only told two of the groups like one thing each in order to improve, while the last group that performed the best was told two different aspects of the game. And so I think this tells us as Go players, we shouldn't tunnel vision on our training. There are some people who kind of seek out the secret sauce of improvement in Go, and they cling on to it. Maybe someone told told you that the best way to improve in Go is to do lots of Sumego, lots of life and death problems. And so you firmly believe in that, and you completely take that to heart, and you're just going Sumego, Sumego, Sumego every day, three hours of Sumego every day, one hour of Sumego every day. And yeah, that's going to help you. You're going to improve quite a bit, actually, if you really are dedicated to that and you really do that. That's going to be something that will definitely increase your skill. But what about the other stuff? What about other areas of go that you're not thinking about? What about direction of play? What about attack and defense? These things, if you don't look at them ever, they're just kind of like these, this undeveloped an unused potential and you're just going to be able to have this superhuman knowledge of life and death and maybe reading ability but you may not be using those things efficiently because you don't know about the bigger picture things you haven't looked at the other aspects of the game because go is a game with many different aspects and it helps to know about all of them and this is a generalization when i'm talking about these like disparate skills that you need in order to play Go. I make them sound like it's just Sumego, direction of play, attack and defense, Fuseki, or, or something, these giant categories. But in reality, when we're really deep in the game, it gets more detailed than that. And at every single level of the game, there are very specific, detailed pieces of advice that would help you. And so, again, back to the first takeaway that I had was you know, seek wisdom from above, you need to look at what you're currently working on and maybe seek out what you're not working on. What could you be working on that you haven't worked on? And maybe that's one thing that's holding you back from the next level. Or maybe you're just, you've just been hammering away at the same thing for the longest time. You've just been playing games, right? Some, some people may have heard, hey, play lots of games. That's how you improve and you need to play more games and get more experience and that is true to a point you should play games and that will help you improve but if that's all you're doing after a certain point i imagine you're going to hit some kind of plateau and another group of people may study theoretical knowledge and they love theoretical knowledge they love fuseki they love these abstract concepts they love opening concepts but their reading always falls apart in the middle game and they're like, hmm, I could have prevented that, that 
weird uh, situation there that was so difficult to read. If I played more simply, and let me let me dial it back. Let me go back to the Fuseki, and they, they try to solve things, all things through the beginning of the game. But what they really need is just better reading ability, better tactics. So again, I think the the second point here is to vary your training. Look at multiple areas to focus on, and keep them all in mind. And with these two takeaways to, you know, try to get wisdom from above and then just not focus on one thing, but on many things, I think it's important to keep this practice uh, as you improve and repeat it. Keep trying to seek wisdom from above. Keep trying to get new knowledge and insight that is just at the next level of play and try to focus on those things in, in, um, in a variety of ways. And repeat it. Every level will be different. You know, if you find that you know at your current level, what's important to do is to play a lot of nine by nine games and do easy sumego. Maybe that'll help you improve for a while. But after a while, in you find yourself at a place where it has helped you improve immensely. It's time to look again and see what the next step could be, and then try to vary up your training routine even more. Beginners should focus on. Things like counting liberties, spotting ladders, and the behavior of stones on the second line, how they how they get captured, how they maybe have some Aji to escape, things like that. And, and then, you know, you're not gonna be wanting to focus on those kinds of skills forever. You're gonna wanna have you're gonna wanna move on to new skills as you advance and be ready for more advanced concepts as they come. Imagine playing for years and years and you're still focused on capturing races and countering counting liberties and and you're the best liberty counter in all the land that's gonna only take you so far now don't get me wrong counting liberties is very important capturing races can make or break games even at the highest levels but that's not just that's not the only part of the game right that's just one part of the game and so uh, I highly recommend checking out this channel, Benjamin Keep, if you're interested in little talks about the science of learning. I think it's very interesting stuff and very relevant to what we do as Go players. And today I want to go into Go news a little early because there's a piece of Go news that I want to talk about for a while. And that piece of Go news, I'm sure a lot of you have heard already, is that the Content creator for Go, Nick Sabicki, has formally retired from regular content creation on YouTube. Um, now, a few episodes ago, I, I mentioned meeting Nick Sabicki was not very eventful. I just kind of shook his hand. But Nick Sabicki is a giant in the Go content creation community. He has provided content for long, a long time. I think he says 12 years. And... He was maybe like the teacher that taught me my basic initial knowledge of the game and basic Fuseki and things like that. And I did that through his um, earlier videos. And I think I just wanted to take a moment to, um, you know, give a few words of appreciation for the content that he has put out to the community. And there's a rich library of content still available to look at. And if you're, if you've never looked at Nick Sabicki's videos, I highly recommend at least checking it out. 
especially his earlier videos, because something unique about Nick Sabicki's videos is that the first run of his videos were live lessons. They were lessons that he volunteered to give at the Seattle Go Center. So he's in front of a classroom and he's got this magnetic Go board in front of him and he's going through these, these games and moves and situations and getting feedback from a, an actual classroom full of actual people. And that is something that is very unique and rare in terms of the Go content that is available today. Like 95% of the Go content today is really just people playing games and talking over them. And that's great. I'm sure a lot of people enjoy that kind of content. We need that content. And it's useful to know what higher level players are thinking when they're playing games. But that's not the only content that can be made about Go. And I actually really like the physicality of Go. I like seeing a board in stones and seeing people interact with other people. And that's something that Nick Sabicki's videos, in the early days at least, provided, where he actually was standing in a community physically teaching lessons. And that is a very different feeling from just the completely digitized um, content that you see you know, in 90% of the, the content videos out there. And it's, it's hard to make this kind of content. It's not easy, and it's, it's something that I'm not doing. I'm, I'm sitting here in my room recording this podcast. But I would love to see more content like that where people are going out into the wild and playing Go with people, whether it's other Go players or new people who, are, who have never heard of the game and just trying to see where they stand on how to play this game. And it's, um, it's I'm going to be honest, like there's a lot of good chess content out there like that. But it is much harder than chess to create Go content that is similar because chess is, you know, everybody knows chess in the West, right? And you just have to kind of say, hey, do you play chess? And they'll either say yes or no. You don't have to explain, right? If you say, do you play Go? I'm sure someone will say, what? <laughs> They're going to be like, do you play Go? Do I want to go where? <laughs> Something like that, right? It's going to be awkward. It's going to be, but that's why we need more people out there spreading the game. And maybe we need we can have some go hustlers out there, and and have uh, you know give the chess hustlers in New York City a run for their money. But again, back to Nick Zabicki, there is so much interesting content that he has provided over the years. Um, I, I especially like when Andrew Jackson visits, and they play very uh, nice, fun variations of go, like hidden move go. Um, those are all very entertaining, and the banter that they have and. The fact that they're talking through their thought processes while they're playing their game, like from both sides, not just one side, is a very unique experience, and it's it's worth looking at too, right? Um, but uh, alas, Nick Sabicki has kind of thrown in the towel and said, you know what, I'm done for now. Like I'm, I don't think I'm going to be going back to making regular content. And you know what, you've done so much for the community, so if you want a break go take your break and relax and we'll see if we can get this new generation of content creators and go to pick up the slack and drive this game forward and that's kind of something i wanted to talk about which is the current state of go content and i've already kind of delved into this a bit with with my commentary on wanting more live content but um nick sabicki's channel by the way, was I think the largest Go like Western Go YouTube channel that I know of. He has 
Uh, last I checked, he had 31,000 subscribers. And then we have Dwyron with like 28,000 right now. And there are plenty of other um, Go content creators. But And Nick Sabicki is not the first one to burn out. There have been many who have come in and walked out over the years and giving their two cents and realizing, you know what, I'm not going to be doing this anymore and just kind of fading away, right? But there are still a lot of active, great YouTube Go content creators, and I want to call some of them out. Um, one of my favorite channels, Go Inside, which is run by a Korean uh, professional uh, named Unkyo To, and she provides a lot of um, insight into Joseki, and I, that's like one of my favorite series, her Joseki series, and invasions and things like that. She does many reviews, and I think it's it's a very solid uh, channel. And she does regular content; it's very reliable. Um, and I want to just kind of go down the list of you know some of the newer content creators. I mean, Triton Triton's been around. His channel is like eight years old, but uh, he's had a resurgence. Uh, in the past year, uh, and Triton Baduk, um, he's he's great. Uh, we got Contraband Go, who is also I think a friend of Triton's. Uh, he's a newer creator. We've got Paduk Doctor. I think he's been around for a while now. I don't actually know how long. Um, Spirit Animal, who's been um, a, a newer um, newer content creator recently as well, and and he's talked about burnout a bit. And we've got Struggle Bus and. There's quite a lot more that I, I always keep finding, and I'm going to try to give shout-outs to uh, any new content creators that I like, that I come across, to just kind of bring more awareness to the Go community. And, and yeah, I, I just really like it when people put in effort and add more to the pool of content that we have for Go. And then we got some some OGs, right? You got, obviously we got Dwyron who's just been like at it for the longest time. And he's just been, he's, he's, uh, as Nick mentioned in his video, he was the inspiration for Nick to start his videos because you know what, before Dwyron, like what exactly was there, right? In terms of, of go content. Um, and then we've got Ben Kyo. He's been around. He's, he's, a he's been, a, a you know, uh, around for like eight years, I think, uh, at least on YouTube. And, Recently, he's been uploading a lot of videos. About a month ago, he's been releasing many, many videos, instructions. So if you haven't seen those, go check them out because uh, I think he's pumping out some content at this point. And um, I think I need to go in and study those videos because there's a lot of useful information in those videos. And I, I really want to spend some time to, to learn that as well. But there's so much to learn. It's just on my list. And, um, oh, I've, tr I've also, I also want to give a shout out to Ben Kyo's, um, streams on Twitch because I've gone into his streams and they're very entertaining. Like he's last time I saw his stream, uh, he was doing this game show and it's just something I haven't seen in the go community. It was, it was really awesome. Like there was uh, community participation. People were able to throw in their answers to the quiz questions that he was giving out. And it was a great time. And I think, um, I really like that kind of outside the box thinking in terms of go content, we should, expand our horizons to you know more than what we currently have and and you know the go market in the go content world is very small compared to a lot of other things on the internet go is not the most popular thing out there there are many other things many other ways that other people like to spend their time and go is difficult and it's 
maybe not the most profitable market to get into. With Starpoint, I don't really uh, expect it to turn over any kind of profit or anything like that. I'm doing this right now just for fun and for you guys because I wanted a Go podcast. I wanted to listen to a Go podcast and there were not really any options out there. So that's why I do this podcast. And when I started Starpoint, I was thinking deeply about the commitment to this. And this is something, I guess, that is important to Nick, right? Because he considered, I think he very much considered his own channel as a commitment because he was constantly, you know, regularly and consistently outputting content. And I think he felt he had a responsibility to do that. And it was really one of the things that made his channel grow so much as he mentions. And so when I start Starpoint, I'm thinking, you know, can I do this once a week? You know, I have a full-time job. I have a girlfriend who I want to spend time with. And I want to spend time playing and studying Go, right? Not just talking about Go. And this is a lot of stuff. You know, I have a lot of stuff going on in my life. And it's like, do I have the time to record a podcast once a week? And at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I think I do. I think I can do that. And and it's been working out. I, I've been able to churn out this content for you somehow up to now. Uh, I have I still have a list of topics I want to cover. And I have, I'm trying to add to that list as I go on. But I do wonder sometimes how the podcast will evolve as the bigger topics run out and where this thing will go. And that's one reason maybe, you know, one day I will try to see if I can have some guests on my podcast. But I just want to provide for the few consistent listeners that I have here. Anyone, or maybe if you drop by every now and then, that's cool too. But the fact that there, there are some of you who do look forward to this podcast and listen and want more content from this podcast, that's enough to keep me going, at least for now. I mean, it's not just a podcast for entertainment, but it's also a forum where I can express the many thoughts I always have about the game. I'm always having thoughts about this game and um, I, I just want to have like an outlet for it. And and I think it's a good thing for the community to come together and talk about a few topics every now and then. And, you know, this, this podcast may be a starting point, a starting point. Oh, uh, for, for discussion for many, um, many things like that. And so, yes, I want to just kind of give like a push forward for, for all the content uh, creators out there. Um, and, and just, you know, I, I believe in all of you and you guys are, I think it's, it's great. I think I love the go community and I want to just kind of say, Hey, Nick, thank you for all the content that you've created. And, you know, I, I'd love to see whenever you drop by in, in your uh, YouTube channel, if you were able to upload it at a certain point and say, hi, I'm sure everyone will, will welcome you back with open arms. But for now, I think everyone just wants you to be happy. So, um, thank you, Nick, for all your content. And now we're going to go into some more of the Go news regarding the professional world. And last week I mentioned that Shibano Toramaru defends the Meijin. And this week I want to cover the equivalence of the Meijin. If you, if you, don't, if you don't know that the Meijin has equivalents in China and Korea. In China, it's called the Mingren. And in the Mingren, Mi Yuting, 
wins against Kudje in a 3-2 victory. And that was a very tense game. The, the prize money was 400,000 yuan, which is uh, equivalent to about 55,000 US dollars. And in Korea, we have the Myeongin, which is, and it was the 46th Myeongin. And this is the Korean equivalent of the Meijing. This is an interesting story because, well, let me just tell you who won, Shin Jin Seo, and that's not interesting, right? Shin Jin Seo is the best, and he won against Pak Jung Won, and it's it was a very, uh, I think, difficult game for Pak Jung Won because he has lost apparently the t- last ten games against Shin Jin Seo, and and it's just, you know, it's been hard for him to to c- come against this titan, right, Shin Jin Seo this giant go player and maybe their styles clash in a way where you know shinjinsa is just is uh is pak jung one's weakness right or maybe shinjinsa is everybody weak everybody's weakness but in fact shinjinsa was coming up from the losers bracket here in this tournament uh he lost early on and had to climb the losers bracket a bit before facing his final opponent pak jung one and took the myongin uh, which was uh which had a prize money of 75 million won, which is 52,000 US dollars. So similar to the, the Chinese Mingren prize. If you want a review of this game, go inside that channel I mentioned earlier has a review of the game. So go check that out. I'll, I'll try to link as many of the content creators as I mentioned here in this episode in the, in the description. So there'll be a lot of links. Um, and, uh, you know, in addition to the uh, video that I mentioned earlier, Benjamin Keep uh, on the, the science of learning. And then finally, on the last point of Go News, um, I just wanted to point out for the Samsung Cup, uh, last week I mentioned that Andre Kravitz was going to be the wild card for the Samsung Cup, which is uh, unprecedented. And because of this, uh, Martin Siassini, the president of the European Paduk Federation, uh, is visiting for the Samsung Cup. And and the article describes Mr. Martin Siassini as the Jonamchal of Europe. And that's a fitting title for him because Jonamchal is known as the father of modern Korean Go, as he was instrumental in setting up the pro system and bringing the new life into the game into Korea, as um, Martin Siassini has done for Europe. Uh, oh, also, fun, fun fact Jonamchal is Cho Chikun's uncle. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, it's some um, incredible news for the Western Go world. Clearly, the European Go Federation is going places with so many countries signed up and them now sending a wild card over to the Samsung Cup. It's, it's historic. And um, I always love to see the Western Go world t- take more steps to becoming closer to the level of the, its Asian brothers and sisters And with that, it's time for Listener Mail. All right, we got some great um, mail or comments from people writing in to tell us about their origin story for Go. Uh, Plunko Dunko, hey again, uh, writes, I learned about Go through Hikaru no Go 20 years ago. 
I've always had an interest in the game, but no one knew what the game was or they thought it was too hard to understand. It felt pointless to get good at the game that no one wants to play with me. So over the years, I'd play a few games on KGS and then lose interest. Hey man, I feel you. I feel you. Like that's, I mean, you really have to love this game to play, to learn how to play um, because there's really not many people who play. Continuing on, however, about two years ago, my wife bought me a board after I watched the Chinese Hikaru no Go, which was great and better than the anime in some ways. This time, I've maintained my interest and seen the beauty of the game more clearly. Always a great day when I see a new Starpoint episode. Keep it up. Uh, thank you so much for listening and writing in again, Plunko Ducko. And uh, I have, I've watched uh, one episode of that, and it did seem pretty uh, nicely made um, for, uh, what's that called, the Chinese Hikaru no Go remake. The, the live action one, it's available on YouTube of all places uh, for free. Um, but it seems like you have a similar story to me where you just kind of go in and go out and you're, you're, you're not fully invested in the game for a long time and then you finally, um, finally realize, hey, I do want to spend some time to learn this game. And it's, it's awesome because you seem to also have a uh, supportive wife who bought you a, a go board. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for writing in. Brilliant Resource 68, thank you again for writing in, uh, writes, I always loved chess, but was never good at it. When I was an exchange student in Turkey, 2011, I ca was couch surfing a lot. One of my hosts taught me go. I fell in love instantly. And ever since I play go regularly on and off. I think I've played chess maybe once since then. Anyway, Turkey has a really great go scene in Istanbul and Izmir. If you ever come to Turkey, go to Amy's Go Place and enjoy Turkish culture mixed with go. It was really nice. Anyway, love the show. Keep it up. Greetings from Austria. You know what? Uh, thanks for writing in, first of all. But I, um, I have heard things about the go scene in Turkey, and it's crazy. Like that to hear that there's a good go scene in Turkey because Turkey's so far away. I don't expect to know about any go scene in a country that far away uh, that's not, you know, like a big, one of the big three Asian countries. Um, so it must have a bustling go scene. So uh, that's awesome. And I, I'd, I'd love to visit one day and and, uh, and play some go and learn about Turkish culture. Uh, and thanks for listening all the way from Austria. Um, Studos writes in, Go has always been somewhere in the background of some movie or anime. What's this? Some kind of Japanese chess? Looks complicated. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does look complicated. Uh, I saw the artist from Death Note had illustrated a whole manga about this game. The art looked cool, but I never thought I'd read a manga about a game I couldn't even play. Hmm, you know what? I, I didn't know that the artist from Death Note um, illustrated Hikaru no Go, unless you're talking about some other <laughs> Go anime uh, manga probably not uh, okay continuing a few years ago i tried to get good at chess after finding out my father-in-law was to be was once competitive in my frustration with the game i decided to take a break and try some other games go was first on the list i played on and off on the 9x9 with varying success over a year or so one night after searching up some tactics the algorithm recommended i watch cho sonjin versus Yukawa Mitsuhisa on an NHK game with commentary from Michael Redmond. Everything started to click in my head as I dove in. It's only been a few months and my busy schedule keeps me from playing as much as I'd like, but this game has become my new passion. Starting reading a few theory books and of course Hikaru no Go. Love the podcast. Keep up the great content. Uh, thank you so much for writing in and it 
it's actually quite an experience to watch serious professionals play a game of Go, and I think that does say something about the game in, in, a, in a way that brings us in and draws us in and makes us curious and want to know more about the game because it's cool uh especially the you know the nhk you know because like the japanese games are very like aesthetic and they have these nice shell and slate stones and thick gobans and and it's just it's a very beautiful thing to watch and if you can find an any like one of those japanese um you know, footage of Japanese games played uh, for like the NHK tournaments, for example. Uh, I highly recommend checking those out. Thanks for writing in. Uh, Mad Dark Madara Uchiha. Thanks again for writing in. I got into the game by chance. I believe I saw a video about AlphaGo and was interested in machine learning and AI. Through the video, I learned about Go and did a Google to find a local group. At the same time, a friend recommended I re read Hikaru no Go, so I started reading that. Though was a little disappointed as I thought I might learn a bit of Go from the manga. Never did. Sad face. Uh, so we got a we got an AlphaGo player, AlphaGo Go player. So that's like 2015. Um, I don't know if, when you saw your vid the video, but yes, AlphaGo was a great um, source of new Go players and Go interest, and still is, I believe. And that uh, documentary that you saw that um, Google produced is one of the best Go documentaries um, out there. And you can watch it for free right now on YouTube. So go check it out. Um, and you're, it's funny that you comment that you didn't learn about Go from like the actual game from the manga, but it actually does have these like little inserts in between the chapters where they teach you some basic stuff. So um, it must've teach you a little, or sorry, sorry, it must've taught you a little bit of Go. Um, maybe you were too advanced at that point and that stuff wasn't useful to you anymore. But anyway, uh, thanks again for writing in. And then lastly, we have Sinister Nightcore 34849. I found your podcast through Reddit and have been listening to all the episodes since. I think you have a pleasant voice and the topics you touch are interesting. Well, thank you so much for your kind words. For my Go journey, I got interested both by Hikaru no Go and the AlphaGo games at around the same time around 2016, but I didn't play for a while and just watched professional games online like the NHK Cup. So when I finally started to play, I already had some feel for the game, but I was by no means a 10k. I played my first tournament as a 15k and have been slowly rising through the Q ranks. Hey, I think you have a bright future ahead of you if you have enough interest to be going to a tournament at 15Q and, and you know, it seems like you're you're really gonna be. Um, I didn't I didn't go to my first tournament since I, until I was like six Q or so. So uh, I think you were ahead of me in that regard. And it seems like a lot of people are brought in by this uh, whole. You know, not only Hikaru no Go, but AlphaGo is a big source. And I'd like to believe that there are a lot of dormant Go players out there who are thinking about getting into the game and have thought about the game because of AlphaGo or whatever reason and they have yet to break in and they're going to come in soon and, and revitalize the game and I'm excited for any new player that joins the game. Uh, again, thanks to Sinister Nightcore for writing in and I lied. There's That wasn't the last one. There's one more, uh, but that was the last recent one because um, this comment I overlooked and it's an interesting enough comment that I want to comment on it, but it was a um, it was sent in about the game uh, the episode number seven, Bioyomi Fisher Canadian and more, and it's by 
own Zookeeper game 955, and it was about a month ago. So sorry for the late response to this, but it was an, in an interesting comment. So I want to comment on a few things that you wrote, and this, here's an abridged version. Uh, he writes, Hey, thank you for your continuous output. Re really enjoying the episodes. I wanted to add some remarks regarding current episode 7, perhaps sharing the perspective of an active tournament player and organizer from Europe. Here, everything seems to be moving toward Fisher time as well. There's one important factor in favor of Fisher time from the perspective of an organizer. It reduces the variance in game length and thus makes it easier to schedule a tournament with multiple rounds per day. This is because if you consider a game of say 300 moves, which is rare but still plausible, you can just take the main times and add 300 times the increment and you know immediately how long a game can last. That is a wonderful insight from a tournament director um, point of view. It's very important to be able to know roughly how long a game will last. And I think Fisher time is one of the better time controls for that. And a last remark I have is about the Canadian Bioyomi. I don't know how it is used in NA, but as far as I know, in Europe, it is mainly used when there are no digital clocks available, just those mechanical chess clocks, which have to be set up by hand. With those, it would be extremely impractical to reset the clock after every move, so instead it is only done every 20 moves. The drawback is that it's perhaps a little complicated and therefore distracting. On the other hand, I do like that it incentivizes you to play moves during your main time as to avoid having very little time available in the end game. And yes, all very practical reasons to choose one uh, time control over another. If you have all you have is an old mechanical chess clock, then maybe it is time to use Canadian Bioyomi. Maybe that's a very practical way to implement some kind of Bioyomi system without having a Bioyomi clock. So that's I, I just wanted to share that com this uh, message with you because um, there are some interesting insights from a tournament organizer here writing in uh, for this podcast and. Uh, that's going to do it for listener mail. And for next week, uh, I've got a question of the week for you. What is your opinion on the state of Go content? What kind of Go content do we need? What kind of content do you want to see? There are a lot of content creators ready to create content. I think they just, I think maybe we can help them out. If you have some ideas and you want to see a certain type of Go content, Maybe give a shout out here in the comments, wherever you're listening on YouTube or on Reddit. And you know what? There's one thing that I forgot about. There's one content creator that I did not call out and give a shout out to that I really should have given a shout out to that I'm thinking about right now. And that's Go Magic. Go Magic has been providing the highest quality of Go content. <laughs> in the recent years or ever in history on YouTube, on the internet. Their content is outstanding. I can't believe I overlooked them. I can't believe I did. I forgot. I'm so sorry. You guys are just so good that like you're, you know, I'm not even mentioning you with the others. Like go watch Go Magic's videos. Their videos are awesome. They got great, you know, stuff on their website. And um, I just wanted to make a quick shout out before the episode ends. But um, I want I want to know what you guys want out of Go content. What do you guys think is lacking in the Go community? So leave your comment wherever you're listening on Reddit, YouTube, or shoot an email to startpointbaduk at gmail.com, startpointbaduk at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening once again, and keep playing Go. See you.